We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. We're going to begin a series on the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Um, so get your Bible out, get your notepad out. We're going to write down some stuff. We're going to connect with some stuff. The book of Acts is probably one of the most important books in your Bible outside of the book of Genesis. Um, it is uh, impactful and it is the story of the birth of the church. We're sitting here tonight because of what happened in the book of Acts. We are here tonight. We believe what we believe now because of what happened in the book of Acts. There are so many good stories in this book. I will struggle to get through all of them. But tonight I want to begin. I'm going to start right in the beginning in Acts chapter 1. And I want to point a few things out to us tonight about the book of Acts that maybe you didn't see, maybe you hadn't heard yet, but I want to teach tonight. Is that okay if I teach tonight? And I know we're so blessed to have our young people in here with us tonight. But listen, I, um, don't, don't get bored on me. Get your notepad out. And, and I guarantee you that tonight you're going to learn something from the word of God. And the church said amen. Acts chapter 1, I will read just a couple of verses uh, in, the, in the, the, the start of my Bible study here tonight. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask you that as we study your word, that you would enlighten us, that you would grow us, that you would mature us, you would teach us through this word tonight. God, that we would be better at who you've called us to be. And the Lord, that we could understand some things and that you would lead us through these things. And we pray that we would not only be hearers of the word tonight, but be doers of the word also. And we'd be so careful to give you praise and glory. And the church said, amen. 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 And you may be seated in his presence. Amen. Um, the book of Acts uh, is, uh, it is the fifth book in the, in the gospels. This is considered... Um, there's, there's five books of history in your New Testament. There's five books of history, and um, this is uh, the fifth and last historical book considered in the New Testament. Um, uh, very early on, it was considered to be a book of uh, actions taken by the apostles, by the disciples. This, this book is where we really begin to consider them to be apostles. We don't really hear them um, uh, we don't really hear them called apostles until this time. Um, and very early on, this book was, was considered to be the Acts. Um, and it was given, it was given three names. Uh, we call it the book of Acts, but when the, when the, this historical book was released, written, um, it was called the Acts and it was called the gospel of the Holy Ghost. 
And it was also called the Gospel of the Resurrection. This, this book has had three names. The Acts, the Gospel of the Holy Ghost, and the Gospel of the, of the Resurrections. Um, a part of this book, um, which was uh, the Acts of the Apostles, is what the book finally landed on, which is a title that was given to the book at a later date, uh, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. We just call it the book of Acts. Um, it was most certainly written by Luke. Um, Luke was uh, a, a writer, he was a journalist, and he was an historian. And Luke wrote this book. Um, and Luke was also considered to be a physician, uh, a, a doctor of some sort. Uh, Luke the physician. Uh, they, the, 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 the history would, would call him Luke the beloved physician. And Luke was a uh, historian as well. He was a journalist. Um, and he not only wrote about his experiences and what he witnessed and what he saw, but, but obviously he spoke to the apostles at different times and got their take, their um, actions, and their stories um, from them. And so uh, this book of Acts um, written by Luke is basically the second gospel of Luke. You know, this is, this is not, not necessarily, you know, the book of Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four books of, we call them the gospels, are really considered by the Jews uh, who, who believe in Jesus to be the four books of history. The fifth book coming again, which is the second book written by Luke. It was given... Uh, as an exhibition of the character and work of Christ as seen in his history till he was taken up from his disciples into heaven. Uh, and the book of Acts, uh, from, from the book of Luke to the book of Acts, Acts is like a sequel, like part two. Because Luke writes all the way up to the point where Jesus is taken away, and then he writes another book afterwards. It's like Luke part two, the book of Acts. Um, and not only does Luke write about what Jesus will say in these moments and what Jesus will do in the latter parts of, of his existence on earth, but then he goes on to, in, as a continuation of the history of the church after Christ's ascension. Luke carries on the history in the same spirit in which he had commenced it, began it. It is only uh, a book of beginnings. It's a, this, is a, this is a foundational book. What you need to know about the book of Acts is that it is a foundational book. This is a book of beginnings. This is where it started. And so anything that begins, anything that just begins, we know has all kinds of things. It has, uh, when, when there's beginning, there's excitement. When there's beginning, there's turmoil. Where there's beginning, there's, you know, dispute. Where there's beginning, there's dissension. And we see all of that in the early writings of the book of, Act, of, the book of Acts. It was really the formation of what will be considered the Christian society in the different places visited by the apostles. And throughout the book of Acts, we will see different churches established, even if it, it's not really saying that this church was established, but we will see that throughout the book of Acts, different churches are established at different times, and this is where groups of people will come together. They will eat. They will study the word of God. They will become a family. They will grow. They will understand. We see this all throughout the book of Acts. 
as the apostles who are led by the Spirit will begin, begin to do the things that Jesus told them that they would do after he was gone. Um, and if you're thinking, and, and, and I want you to understand this too, is, is, is the book of Acts um, probably was written about somewhere 40 to 60 years, 40 to 60 years after Jesus was dead. Okay? So this wasn't written like Jesus died, Jesus did some stuff, and somebody sat down and wrote this book. The book of Acts written by Luke was written about 40 years after Jesus was dead and gone. And we'll see this in the story of the book of Acts, how long it really took for the church to get even outside of the walls of Jerusalem. It took them a while to even begin to preach this gospel outside of those walls. Now, I'm sure that people had left, people went away. I know that there were people there in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, where they were there from all places of the world. They received the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in Jesus' name, and then they went back to their perspective countries with, 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 with this in their mind, like, man, there is a man, and his name is Jesus, and he set us free from our sins, and I've been baptized in his name. I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Luke is writing all of the contents, all the keys, all the contents of this book are eyewitness accounts and personal accounts of exactly what those disciples did in the early years of the church. So he says um, in Acts chapter 1, and I'll, I'll jump into the, the, of the book now. I want to give you a little history of the book of Acts. I don't know that sometimes we, you know, we, we read these books, but we don't really understand where they come from, who wrote them, what perspective they're writing these about. Um, in the, really, in the history of, of, of the church, Luke is not even really considered an apostle. That, that Luke's really not a part of the 12. Luke's not really a part of the apostleship. He, he's not really, you know, a part of the, of the, uh, the, the patriarch, patriarchal church set up. That Luke is just really an outside bystander who's just, man, this is awesome. He's writing about it, right? So, like, to me, the book of Luke, uh, which is really, really a great New Testament book, and, you know, you can really start anywhere in the Bible. There's, there's no rule that you have to start at Genesis. And, and if you want to just read some good stuff about what Jesus did on this planet, you could go to the book of Luke and start there because Luke has a unique way of writing because he's a writer. He's a journalist. And so there's some really interesting stories in Luke that you really don't get anywhere else. And the way that Luke tells stories is just amazing because he's a journalist. This is what he does. And so he has a way of writing, uh, especially, um, you know, the book of Luke is where we get Luke 15, which is the entire story of the prodigal son, which is mentioned in different, some different gospels, but not like Luke. Luke writes that whole thing out, and it's a beautiful, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, uh, Luke 15. And Luke is a great writer. And so Luke, Luke is really kind of an outsider. You know, Matthew, Mark, and John, they live with Jesus for three years, right? And so as they tell their stories, they're like, they're like Jesus was my friend. Like, Jesus was my homeboy. Like, I lived with this guy for three years. I, I was like, I walked in his shadow for three years. That's Matthew, Mark, and John. But Luke is just like, man, this is what I saw happen. Like, I, I really wasn't there. I wasn't a part of the 12. I didn't, I didn't get the inside scoop. But, man, from my, from my viewpoint, this is what I've seen. And he was also 
getting witness, eyewitness accounts from other people as well. And so as he begins this, this historical book, you know, he's not writing. Um, I, I think that sometimes um, it, it's important for us to realize that we use these books as um, tools of evangelism, right? Luke is not writing this book as a tool of evangelism. Luke is writing this book as a historical fact. Amen? And so when we read it, like, there's some stuff in the book of Acts that we're like, oh, man, that really don't fit the narrative. That really, well, well that, that's because it doesn't fit our narrative because we have this, we are expressing uh, evangelism through this book where Luke is not. Luke is writing this book. This is just what happened. This is what you need to know. These are the things that happened. And so this is just historical fact. And when you, when you see it and you preach from it, we, we, we all have to use a little bit of, uh, you know, our imagination. We have to understand that this scripture said this and this scripture said that. And, this scripture, and when I connect those things, I get this narrative and I get this belief system, right? And so we believe what we believe. A lot of what we believe we find right here in the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. But we have to understand that these men who wrote these books were not writing these books as evangelistic tools. Amen? So, okay. Um, I, just let me help you for a second. So when, when I preach, I get to use this book to preach from, right? So I have this, this historical evidence to preach from. This is what happened. This is what they did. So this is what we do. We do what they did. And, and, and for me, it's, it's really easy because I feel safe in, in, in preaching these things because I see them in the book. They didn't have a book. Oh, it's so good. They didn't have a book. All they had was their own life, their own testimony, their own understanding, and their own beliefs. They had nothing to go back to, to look at and say, well, this said this, this said that, that said that. I got, you know, four witnesses. I, I got five witnesses in the book. I got these things. And so this creates a belief system for me. These men walked and talked and lived in the time of Jesus. And they express evangelism through their lifestyle, through the love they showed to people. They had no book to refer to. When me and you do a Bible study with somebody, we have a Bible to study. When they did Bible study with somebody, they had no Bible. They were just saying, hey, th that's, why in the, that's why in the New Testament, you will hear them refer to our fathers. And you will hear them refer to it is written. When, they, when they're saying those things, they are literally only talking about five books. The first five books of the Bible, the Torah. That's the only Bible that they had. That's the only word that they had. And that's the only Bible that they talked about in, in context. And they would recite or rehearse the writings of prophets who they knew of, prophets like Isaiah. This was, this was, when Jesus was 12 years old, he's standing in the synagogue at 12, he quotes Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he had anointed me to preach. Right? He's quoting an Old Testament. So 
His, his Bible study is an Old Testament Torah writing that you can only even speak of in the synagogue. So they don't have a scripture. What, what this book is about is about people going and just living the life in front of people and converting people by the power of their own testimony. They have nothing to refer to. And when they will refer to bring evangelism, they will refer to the Torah and the Old Testament, which we'll see here in just a few moments. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, was, he through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So this is Luke telling us that when Jesus was with his disciples in his last few days, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem until you are baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now Jesus is telling them that they shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And, and, and for me, like I wish I could have been there and knew what they knew, understood what they understood, and to, to hear Jesus say that to them for the first time, what does he mean we're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost? What does he mean by that? And what, what Jesus is saying in the original term is that you are about to be immersed or submerged in the Holy Ghost. That the, the Holy Ghost is about to dip you, cleanse you, submerge you, wash you. This is what he's saying to them. Just like you were baptized in water, you're about to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That the Holy Ghost is about to saturate you, not many days hence. And when they were therefore come together, verse 6, watch this in verse 6. When they were therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? This is very important. The disciples, they wanted to know, are you about to give the land back to us? You have to understand this, that everything that Israel, at, at this time, everything that Israel owned was, was not theirs. It was being run by a Roman government. They had no, no land. They had literally been defeated by the Roman government, and the Romans run everything. You know, and the Jews had just used the Roman government to get rid of their problem in Jesus. They had just moved the laws around a little bit, had a couple false witnesses, and moved some things in place and used the law, the Roman law, to get Jesus taken care of. This is, this is how they got rid of Jesus. And they're now asking him, Lord, will you restore the kingdom at this time? Now that you've risen from the dead, now that, you've, now that you are here, now that you're back with us, is it, is it time for the Romans to leave 
and us to take back over what is rightfully ours? Are you going to restore the kingdom like the prophets had spoke about in the, the Old Testament that you would give the kingdom back to, to your people? And he said unto them, in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Now, this is very important because you have to understand here, here are Jewish men that have never in their life lived a day free. Let's say it again. He's talking to Jewish men that have never lived a day of freedom. Every fish they caught, they paid taxes to Caesar. You hear me? For their whole life, they had been in bondage, some kind of bondage, some type of bondage. And they want to know, hey, now that all this has happened, we, we're about to be number one, you know, in the, on the list. We're about to go to the top of the food chain. You're about to restore the kingdom back to Israel. And Jesus tells them, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his hand or put in his own power. Watch verse 8, but he, he continues with this thought. He says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the othermost part of the earth. Here's what they heard Jesus say to them. Don't worry don't worry about all this stuff that's happening on the legal side of things. Don't worry about is Rome leaving or is Rome staying. Don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in all the, all the political stuff that's going on around us right now. What you need to know is you're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And that power is going to make you a witness unto me. And you're going to witness unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the othermost part of the earth. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, don't worry about Israel taking back over Israel because what I've called you to do is bigger than Israel. Oh, hallelujah. The disciples want to know, are we getting it back? Are you giving us back Israel? Will you now restore the kingdom? And Jesus says, don't worry about the kingdom because when, when you get power, you're going to be witnesses to me in the kingdom, in this kingdom, Jerusalem, but also in Judea and also in Samaria and also to the uttermost part of the earth. My kingdom is bigger than this region. He is already type shadow telling the disciples, don't worry about this region. You're going to be witnesses to me here, but, but, but I got plans for you way out there. This isn't about just restoring Israel. This is about my spirit coming and being available to the entire world. This is bigger than Israel now. This is, this is bigger than this land. All that, all that prophecy stuff, it'll come in its own season. It'll come in its own time. Matter of fact, it didn't happen to the 1940s. If you know anything about history, what, what those men were talking about in Acts chapter 1 did not happen until the 1940s. Is that not amazing? And it literally, in... in Last century, what these men were talking about happened. And Israel came back together again and finally became a nation again and became ruled by them own selves, became a nation once, once more in the 1940s. Jesus was saying, 
Don't worry. My spirit is going to be all over the world. Don't worry about this. This will come in its due time. If the, if the disciples had been waiting for Israel to become a proper nation again, the Holy Ghost would never have been revealed. We wouldn't have what we have today. Amen. What they wanted was the power to return back to them, but the power that God was talking about, the power that Jesus was about to pour out on them was too big for Israel. It was about to go across the whole earth. Jesus had a global plan. That, that, that's why he would wait until the Passover feast, until, the, until the, the, the day of Pentecost, because he knew on Pentecost, all of those people would be there from every nation in the world, every language, every tribe, every tongue, and he knew that this thing's about to spread like wildfire. So, so do, if all you're worried about is right here, you're, you're thinking too small. This is for everybody. It's why, it's why you have to understand that the Holy Ghost is for everybody. I said the Holy Ghost is for everybody. There, there's no one group of people that get it. There's no one status of preacher or one status of religion that, that gets it and other folks don't or, or these people don't, don't get it or it's not available. No, everybody gets it. God has a global view. He has since Acts chapter 1 and he ain't changed his mind. Yeah. But verse 9, and when he spoke uh, these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel angels, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He's going to come back exactly like he went, is what he's saying. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon uh, Zelotus and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of these was about 120, about 120 people there. Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was God to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and have obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all of his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem in so much as that field is called in their proper tongue Akeldama, which is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. So this is Peter. He's saying, listen, we have to fulfill the role of Judas. Judas was a part of this ministry. The book of Psalms already prophesied what he would do and how he would do it. We know that this is, that Judas just fulfilled scripture. You say, well, why would Judas do what he do? Ju Judas just fulfilled scripture. If you know prophecy, 
you know, that Judas was just fulfilling the scripture. And he led those who took Jesus. And with the money he took, he bought a field, he hung himself. We know the story. Judas committed suicide. And it's written in the book of Psalms that let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric, another take. He said, it was, it was prophesied, hear me, it was prophesied that he would sell Jesus out. It was prophesied that he would lead them to Jesus. It was prophesied he would buy a field. It was prophesied that, he, that his, he would hang himself and his bowels would gush out. But it was also prophesied that someone else should take his place. Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John. Are you, is it on the screen behind me? It's, it's not. I'll, I don't have anybody back there tonight. Uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 22. Beginning from the baptism of John until that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So this is an ordination. This is a, uh, this is, this is um, later on in the book of Acts, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this out at a later time. Uh, they will license ministers to, to fulfill different ministerial roles. This was an ordination. They're ordaining this person to take the role of Judas. Now here is the qualifications, Are you, and, 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 and we've already seen it. This is the qualification. These men which have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out, beginning from the baptism of John. So when John baptized Jesus in the River Jordan, many disciples left John and followed Jesus. There were always more than 12. The 12 are who we know about, okay? When we talk about the disciples of Jesus, we, we have to understand that there were always more than 12, but the 12 is who the Bible speaks of mostly. But there were many disciples. Jesus had a whole crew of disciples. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that at one point, Jesus will say, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you can have no part in me. And the Bible says that when he said that, many of his disciples were offended and they left. They were like, this is too much. This is crazy, man. It's crazy talk. This man's a cannibal. He's trying to get us to drink his blood. I'm out. And because they had a carnal understanding, uh, they had a carnal understanding of what Jesus was, was talking about, they left him. Jesus lost many disciples at that point. So there's many more disciples than just the 12. And so Peter says we need to fulfill. There's a prophecy that his bishopric will be given to another. So we need somebody that's been with us since the baptism of John. Let him be ordained. Let him be ordained. And verse 23 says, and they appointed two. Two, just two. There were just two guys there. I, I don't know how many people were there that were disciples, but I know that there were a hundred, about, the Bible said about 120 people there. So out of 120 people, out of 120 people, let's just say half of them were disciples. So you got 60 people. Out of 60 people, only two qualify. That means only two guys have been around since the beginning. That means that since John baptized him, from that point to this point, there's only been two guys that have really stuck it out. Whew, that's powerful. Only been two guys that has always been there, just always there, always been hanging out. Who qualifies to fill this position as a bishop? Who, who qualifies to be ordained 
in this place. You, you have to have qualifications. You, you just can't get it any old kind of way. And uh, I'll say this. Yesterday, uh, our very own Paulo Repetto was licensed as a general uh, minister of the United Pentecostal Church International, and I'm very proud of Brother Paulo. And guess what he had to do? He had to go meet a board, and the board, you know, made sure that he qualified for the position. They probably asked him some, some easy questions and some difficult questions, but he was qualified. To, he had to sit in front of a board, and a board of men uh, had to say, hey, you know, you've been to college, you've done this, you've done that, you've, you, you've, you've read this, you've read that. He had to qualify for that. It didn't just, they just didn't, he didn't go online and type in a few, you know, questions and answers and get a card. He had to sit in front of men who questioned him and made sure he was qualified for that position. This is what's happening in Acts 1. There is a qualification. Now, the qualification here is a lot different than what Paulo's qualified. Like, Paulo has all kinds of qualifications. This man was just, I, I've been here. That's it. Like, can you preach? I don't know, I, but I've been here. Can you sing? Maybe. I don't know. I, I know I've been here. All, all he had to do was be there. See, this is the very important, this is the very important ministry of showing up. Let me say it again. This man had the, had the anointing of just being there. And that is powerful. This man is about to be made the 12th apostle. His name will be written on a foundation in heaven. And the only way he got qualified was he had been there. That's it. he just been there. i just been there from the beginning. Since Jesus began to do his ministry, I've been hanging out. I've been hanging out with Jesus. i just been there. Uh, they ain't wrote my name down nowhere. I haven't got a spotlight. Uh, I don't, you know, we know that y'all used to be fishermen. We know that you used to be a tax collector. We know that, but y'all don't know nothing about me. I've just been here. I haven't had a time to shine yet. I ain't got no name badge. Ain't nobody gave me a desk. I just, I just been hanging out. I just been here. That's it. They appointed two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed. And they said, Thou, Lord. See this right here. Uh, we, mm, I'm going to get in trouble here because I'm on video. Let the camera roll. Um. This is where we mess up because we want to be apostolic in everything except Acts 1. Except Acts 1. We, 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 we want to be apostolic in Acts 2 on through. We don't want to be apostolic in Acts 1 because this is the, this is the apostles' way. You know, do you know why we call ourselves apostolic? Do you understand that? We call ourselves apostolic because we believe what the apostles taught and preached. Right? Right? And we try to do what the apostles did. That's why we call ourselves apostolic. It's not a special denomination. I mean, you don't, you don't get a badge. I call myself apostolic because I believe the apostles and I follow the apostles' doctrine. What they preach, I preach. What they did, I do. Right? What they believe, I believe. I try my best to stay close to the apostles' doctrine. You know why? Because the apostles are the only people who were with him. Right? 
So they're the closest connection we have to Jesus himself. So when Jesus leaves, he leaves these dudes in charge to change the world. So I want to do what those dudes did. That's why I'm apostolic. But we struggle with a few apostolic things. One of those apostolic things we struggle with is how we handle church politics. Mm -hmm. This is church politics, ladies and gentlemen. We are fulfilling a role. We need a leader in this position. And we have relegated our leadership skills to those who have qualifications. Literally, I have been asked to my face, why are they doing this job? They're not qualified. Hmm. Because I'm biblical? I'm not a CEO. I'm not running a business here. If I'm a CEO, I'm going for the guy that has the highest education and, and you know, got all the skills and he did this and he did that and he has this little limit. Of course, that always comes into whatever, but, you know, I like to pray about people. And they prayed. They got two people to choose from. You know what they do? They pray. Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen. You see what they did there? They took all the politics out of it. I don't care if Matthias was, here's what they didn't do. They didn't give Matthias a chance to present his case. If you vote me in as a 12th disciple, I'm going to make Jesus great again. And then here comes justice, and justice says, you know what? If you vote for me, you make me the 12th disciple, we're going to build back better. And then Matthias says, well, guys, y'all don't know it, but last night I saw justice. Mm -hmm. He was sally down on the corner. Seen him, got it on the video. So vote for me. That's, that, that's not apostolic. Here's what apostolic is. Lord, you know the heart of man. Show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias. They gave forth their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. Now, now some people say, well, that means they voted, and you know, all the votes. No, no, no. Look up lots. There's not a vote. No. A lot is a piece of wood. A lot's a piece of wood. It's an object uh, for drawing or casting lots, which is either a pebble or a piece of wood. And they are thrown together in a vase, which was shaken. And whose ever name fell out first. Now, this is from the Bible. I'm not making this up. I'm, I'm telling you what the historical fact of lots are. Lots, would, they would take the lots. Now, when, when the Bible says they gave forth their lots and the lot fell on Matthias, listen, go look this up for yourself. 
The 12 or the 11 did not give their lots. No, Matthias gave a lot with his name on it. And Justice gave a lot with his name on it. They put it in a bag. They shook it up and they turned it over. And the first lot that fell out, that's the guy. You know what that does? That takes the power out of our hands. And you would say, well, that leaves it up to chance. No, it leaves it up to your prayer. If you believe your prayer is right, right, there's no way to fix the names. Now, I know y'all thought I was going to preach about the Holy Ghost tonight. But I'm talking about being apostolic. I'm talking about being apostolic. When you're apostolic, we don't look at the other things that other people look at. When you're apostolic, we don't get caught up in all the politics, either the politics of the world or the politics of the church. Oh, because there's politics in the air. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's power struggles in the church because people say, well, I'm better, I'm more qualified, I'm this, I'm that. And, and you know what? Glory be to God. But really, I want somebody that's been here. I'll take consistency and character over skill and talent any day of the week, any day, any day, because I want to be able to count on somebody. I would rather have somebody who's not as good as everybody else, but they're, but they're, I can count on them. Because you know what that is? It's apostolic. Here, here's what it is when, you, when, it's, when it's apostolic. We're looking for people that have just been there. Our, our world says, no, 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 let's go for the highest. Let's go for the most qualified. Let's go for the most powerful. Let, let's go for the guy that has more degrees than a thermometer. He's got to be good. But everybody in this room knows somebody who's got a bunch of degrees and can't, couldn't tell they walk out of a paper bag, couldn't do it. And you know what? I know guys, I know personally guys who are amazing preachers. They're just horrible pastors. They're not called to that. Right? But because they could preach real good, somebody voted them in. Because they could preach real good, somebody voted them in. Listen, I've, I've known guys that could preach real good, and people are like, man, he's such a good preacher. Let's vote him in to run this ministry. And they voted him in to run this ministry, and they took a preacher and gave him a, you know, a $2 million budget and was like, man, he's not doing too good. No, because he's good at the word. He ain't good at math. Why would you do that? Well, he was a good pre. He was a good guy. No, that's not how this goes. That's not apostolic. It's not apostolic to put your buddy in. It's apostolic to say, Lord, you know, I pray that you would let the lot fall. And the lot fell upon Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, that takes away the power. Watch this. It takes away the power from the, from the apostles. They can't say, well, yeah, we put Matthias in place. You know, it was my, my vote. You know, I just, you know, and then Matthias doesn't have it hanging over his head. Well, wait a minute. How much of the percentage of the vote I get? You got 70%. So does 30% of y'all jokers don't like me? Right? Because now Matthias has to live. If they vote, Matthias has to live with the idea, some of y'all didn't vote for me. And then justice has to live with the idea of, well, 30% of them guys like me. All I needed was two more guys. And I could have had, I could have swayed the vote. 
it, it puts everybody in position, but it also takes away the power from Matthias too to say, my qualifications got me here. My skill got me here. My talent got me this position. Well, I knew I was better than everybody else, you know, because y'all dog water and I'm just legit, right? It takes away the power from the apostles. It takes away the power from Matthias. It takes the power away. That is the biblical way. That is the biblical way. It takes the power away from everybody in the conversation. This is the apostolic way of building leadership. It's not about who has the skill, who has the talent. It's about, Lord, you know the heart of men. You know the heart of men. So help us choose. Help us choose wisely. Help us choose. Matthias is never mentioned again in the New Testament. This is, this is wild to me. They gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias. Matthias. Matthias is the guy. His name will never show up. Not in the New Testament. He's the guy. He fulfills the role. And we will never see him in that portion of the Bible again. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see justice one more time. Yeah. I had to do some research on this because I wanted to be correct that this is the same guy from last time. The Bible says that he departed thence in Acts 18 and 7 and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God and whose house was joined hard to the synagogue. Same guy. Justice. Still hanging out. Still there. Still serving. Still being a bridge. He didn't get the vote, but he didn't leave and start his own ministry. He didn't get the vote, but he didn't go home. He didn't take his ball and go home. You know why? You know why he didn't do that? Because the way they voted was apostolic. It took away the power from the apostles. It took away the power from Matthias, but it also didn't give any power to justice. Justice couldn't sit there and say, well, they don't like me. They didn't vote for me because they don't believe in my ministry. Nah, man, we shook it up in a can and put it on the ground. It, it's, it's just chance. And we, we prayed, and that's what, that's, what, that's what came out. We trust our prayer. We have faith that God, we have faith that in God, there's no happenstance. We, we have faith that in God, there's no coincidence. We have faith that God is the right way. And so justice can leave with power, authority. He can still leave with the same heart of a servant. He can leave with the same heart of ministry because he doesn't feel like they overstepped me. They did me wrong. They didn't, they didn't consider me. No, we did consider you. But we prayed and God chose Matthias for some reason. And we're not going to see Matthias again, ever again. His name is not mentioned again. But the man who didn't get, he, he's still there. He's still worshiping God. The Bible says he worshiped God. And his house was fixed hard to the synagogue. I mean, he said, look, look, y'all didn't vote for me, but man, I still love my God. I'm staying right here by the church. I'm staying right by the church. I didn't get the vote. I didn't get the position, but man, I'm here. 
This is the parts of the book of Acts that we don't talk about. Because the next chapter, and I'll, I'll get into this uh, uh, the next time I preach on the book of Acts. But, but the next chapter, you see, the next chapter, we're about to enter into a holy place. One place, one accord, Pentecost is about to happen. There's about to be a sound of a rushing mighty wind. There's about to be the infilling of power. And we can't get the power until we get aligned correctly. You see, we're missing a position. And until we get that position filled, we can't have what God wants for us. Peter understands that we have to fulfill the prophecy before we can get the power. We got to make sure everything is good. And there's a hurt here. We've all been hurt by what Judas did. It's a ministry hurt. Now, let me preach here for this a little while and we'll be done. This is a, a man who walked among us, who was one of us, who, who said he loved Jesus like we love Jesus, and he sold us out, and we had to watch Jesus be tortured and die and run for our lives for weeks because of what this man did. But we have to give that role back to somebody. We can't not trust ministry forever. Oh, my goodness. We, we were hurt by somebody in leadership, but I can't get what God has for me until I'm able to let someone be back in leadership in this position. Oh, glory be to Jesus. Y'all don't want me to preach on a Wednesday night. Like, like we, we got to fulfill this role. There's a role here. That someone in power, someone on the inside who, who should have had better character sold us out. His character was weak. He hurt us for a few dollars in his pocket. But we can't go into the next thing that God has for us with this empty space. There has to be a completion of ministry. The Bible calls it apostleship. The Bible calls it bishopric. The Bible calls it ministry. He was a part of this ministry with us. Let someone fulfill his bishopric. The Bible says that they chose him to work with them in the apostleship. This is a ministry position, and it's, it's missing a person. And we can't get the fulfillment of the glory of God until we fill this role. One of the most Damning things to a saint of God is to realize that ministry in their life can make mistakes. One of the hardest lessons that I ever learned as a young minister was that men that I thought were impenetrable were just men. One of my first ever... Uh, District meetings as a licensed minister. Just got my license. Just sat in front of the board of men that I thought were amazing. Heroes of the faith. I sat in a meeting as a young minister and watched them argue over nothing. They were wrong. They fought like kids on the playground over politics. As a young minister sitting in that room that day, I felt my love for these men dwindle as I watched them 
literally blast each other in public, call each other out. One minister who I will not name was one of my heroes. I watched him berate a younger minister in front of us, in, in front of probably 100 ministers. This man who could do it so eloquently berated this young man because he would dare stand up and question what was going on, which what was going on was awful. It was not okay. As a newly licensed minister, I knew that's not good, that we should not be doing that. This is not okay. I didn't have to have no scripture. I just knew that, hey, what we're doing right here is not okay. This is, we, are, we are fixing the pot so that this man never gets voted out. That's what we were doing. The, these men in power were literally fixing the game so that they would never have to worry about losing the power they had. And there was another group of men who had figured it out and said, hey, wait a minute. If we do this, how are you ever going to get voted out? How can any of us ever fill that role? Now, maybe both of them had bad intentions, but I watched men of God that I thought were just top of the line they fell in front of me. I watched them fall in front of me and argue. And I saw hatred. And I saw men calling other men names in, in, a, in a, what's supposed to be an apostolic meeting. And I, you know, my eyes were like saucers. I was like, what is going on? And it's difficult as a young minister, it's difficult to realize, wait a minute, sometimes ministry can hurt you. For the love of silver, men will sell out the name of Jesus. For, for the love of silver, men could, could say things that would hurt you and break you down. And listen, I know, I, I, I know probably more preachers that aren't preaching today that could be preaching today because of what a minister did to them than I do the, what the enemy did to them. You see, here's what those disciples were not taking into account is that Judas had been possessed by a spirit. A spirit had caused him to do what he had done. Whether it was right or whether it was wrong, there was an empty spot in the ministry that had to be filled before there could be a fulfillment of what Jesus had really called them to do. There could be no baptism of the Holy Ghost and there could be no power to become witnesses until we fulfill the role of Judas. Judas left us high and dry. And before we could ever even have a chance to forgive him, he stole that from us by taking his own life. And now here we are. What do we do? You know what we can't do? We cannot move forward until we fulfill that role. Listen, over the last six months or so, maybe the last year, we have heard so much about church hurt. We've seen it talked about. We've seen it theorized about. We've read blogs. We've watched videos. People have been church hurt. And, 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 and here's my solution to church hurt. It's hurt. It's just human beings being human beings. I've been church hurt. You've been church hurt. It is what it is. But here's what I want you to know. There can be no fulfillment of the calling that God has put in your life until you find a way to fill that hole that church hurt put in you. And here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You don't look for qualifications. You say, Lord, who you chose. Yeah. 
you, you put the person in the right place. You, you help me because if I do it, I'm liable to choose somebody who really don't have the heart to do it. I may be looking at qualifications. I may be like Samuel standing in Jesse's home looking at the tallest guy, the best looking, got to be him. And, and God may have this little kid out in the wilderness and he's the one. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, like if I look at what I'm supposed to look at, I may choose the wrong person. What I got to choose is someone who has a character of consistency. Got to be there. Who's been here? Got to be there. Who showed up? Got to be there. We have to allow ministry. That's why to be a member of this church, the first, the first covenant that we take is submit to godly authority. And that is allow me to be your pastor. That's all I'm asking. That's, it. that's, that's the number one thing. Here's the deal. Who cares what you believe? Who cares what you give? Who cares what you think? I, I can't help you if you don't let me help you. I can only affect you at the level of respect you have for my ministry. If you'll let me be your pastor, I promise I'll, 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 I'll help you. If you let me be your pastor, I promise I'll try to lead you down the right track. I, I'm not going to get everything right. Absolutely not. If you're looking for perfection, baby, it ain't here. I'll be the first one to help you with that. I'll stand up on the mountaintop screaming myself. I am going to make mistakes. I'm not always going to get it right. But here's what I promise you I'll be. I'll be merciful. I'll apologize for my stuff. Yes, sir. I'll stand. I'll, I'll, I'll get down right there to it. Yeah, yep, that was me. My bad. And, 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 but, but here's the best thing is I'm going to give you a biblical view of what you need to see. And if you will allow me to tell you straight, I'm going to try to tell you straight. I'm going to try to give you the best advice I can give you from the word of God. The best advice I can say. I'm going to say, you know what, let's bounce it off the Bible. What does the Bible say about that? You know, you know what, what does God say about this? And sometimes that's going to be like great for you, but then sometimes also going to be challenging for you. Sometimes it's going to be like, man, that's so awesome, that's refreshing. And sometimes it's going to be like, you know what, that's very difficult. That sounds good, preaches good, but hard to live out. I'm going to be right there with you and be saying, absolutely, I know it. I know it is. But it's not just about me. It's about ministry in general. It's about fulfilling a role in my life that once this role is filled, now I'm ready for what God wants to out, pour out in me. And many of us are still struggling over things. I find myself still looking back on some things and being like, man, if, how much further would I be if that had not happened, if this person had not said that thing, if, if this person would have been okay with my ministry. Why? And, and then why, why, why do people say the things they say? I've been, I've been church hurt since I've been pastor of this church by, by ministers that don't even know me. They've never had a conversation with me, ever. But, but they think they do, and they've said all kinds of stuff. And, and, and it was hurtful. But I said, you know what, Lord? I'm, I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm just going to fulfill that role. Like, hey, I'm not going to look at all ministry as those dudes because those dudes don't represent all ministry. They're just, they just human beings who don't understand. And you know what, I, you know what I've learned to do? Uh, and I've had to learn to do it. doesn't come natural. This is a learned behavior. I've had to learn how to pray for some of those people. Like, Lord, help them, touch them, lead them, guide them, 
You know, I pray they, you know what I do, Lord? You know what I pray about some, sometimes people looking at this church and saying, well, I don't, y'all don't do, y'all, 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 I say, Lord, give them revival. Fill their building up with people that really don't know nothing about nothing. Lord, just fill them up with just people who just, who, uh, fill them up with broken people. Lord, give them revival. I pray that they, I pray they get so full of revival and so full of people who are just like hungry and asking that, that they have to say, oh, okay, now I see why. You, you, you know, in order to have revival, you have to do things differently. I got Bible for it. Revival causes you to look outside the box. Revival causes you to say, you know what? There's some cultural things that uh, sound good, uh, but uh, they don't work good in a church that's having revival. Oh, come on. Ain't nobody talking about you. Okay. All right. Some people on, online right now wondering. Don't be wondering. Don't be wondering. Because I want to be apostolic. I want to be apostolic. But I want to be apostolic the way that they were apostolic. Not apostolic like uh, us, us, uh, how they were apostolic 60 years ago. Th- that's not what the Bible's talking about when it's being apostolic. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. Well, back in the olden days, no, 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 no. If you're going to talk about in the olden days, let's talk about these days. Let's not talk about the 70s. Let's talk about these days. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be apostolic the way they were. Amen. Anybody? Mm. I, I could jump off that cliff right now, but I'm going to hold it because I got a lot more in the book of Acts to do. I got a lot more in the book of Acts. We just in chapter one, and I'm already getting froggy. Um, so pray for me. Amen? Amen, I, because I want to be biblical and not cultural. I want to be because I believe if you are biblical, by default, you will be Pentecostal. Oh, yeah. If you're biblical, you're going to be Pentecostal. If you're biblical, you're going to be apostolic. Yeah, you're going to have to be because you can't deny what's in this book. You can't deny and you can't deny that what's in this book matches up with what we feel. It's connected. We have the book and we have the experience. Amen. Would you stand with me? I've preached too long already. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.